irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Uranus is the seventh planet from the Sun. It has the third largest planetary radius and fourth largest planetary mass in the solar system. Uranus is similar in composition to Neptune, and both are different chemical compositions to the large gas giants Jupiter and Saturn. The planet Uranus has a system of rings intermediate in complexity between the more extensive set around Saturn and the simpler system around Jupiter and Neptune. The rings of Uranus were discovered on March 10, 1977. More than 200 years ago, however, in 1789, William Herschel also reported rings. Some modern astronomers are skeptical that he could have actually seen them, as they are very dark and faint. Others are not. By 1978, nine distinct rings were identified. Two additional rings were discovered in 1986 in an image taken by the Voyager 2 spacecraft and two outer rings were found in 2003 through 2005 in Hubble Space Telegraph telescope photos. In order of increasing distance from the planet, the 13 known rings are designated 1986 U2R 
Psi six five four Alpha Beta Eta Gamma Delta Lambda Epsilon Upsilon and Mu Their radii range from about thirty eight thousand kilometers for the closest ring which is Psi to about ninety eight thousand kilometers for the Mu ring. Additional faint dust bands and incomplete arcs may exist between the main rings. The rings are extremely dark. The bond albedo of the ring particles does not exceed two percent. They are probably composed of water ice with the addition of some dark radiation processed organics. The majority of Uranus rings are opaque and only a few kilometers wide. The ring system contains little dust overall. It contains mostly of large bodies, two to twenty microns in diameter. However, some rings are optically thin. The broad and faint 1986 U2R Psi Mu and Epsilon rings are made of small dust particles, while the narrow and faint Lambda ring also contains larger bodies. The relative lack of dust in the ring system is due to aerodynamic drag from the extended Uranian exosphere corona. The rings of Uranus are thought to be relatively young, at not more than 600 million years old. The Uranian ring system probably originated from the collision fragmentation of a number of moons that once existed around the planet. After colliding, the moons probably broke up into numerous particles, which survived as narrow and optically dense rings only in strictly confined zones of maximum stability. The mechanic mechanism that confines the narrow rings is not well understood. Initially, it was assumed that every narrow ring had a pair of nearby shepherd moons corralling them into shape. However, in 1986, Voyager 2 discovered only one such shepherd pair, Cordelia and Ophelia, around the brightest ring, Epsilon. The first mention of the Uranian ring systems comes from William Herschel's notes, detailing his observations of Uranus in the 18th century which included the following passage. February 22nd, 1789. A ring was suspected. Herschel drew a small diagram of the ring and noted that it was a little inclined to the red. 
The Keck Telescope in Hawaii has since confirmed this to be the case, at least for the Upsilon Ring. Herschel's notes were published in a Royal Society journal in 1797. However, in two centuries, between 1797 and 1977, the rings are rarely mentioned, if at all. This casts serious doubt on whether Herschel could have seen anything of the sort, while hundreds of other astronomers saw nothing. Still, it has been claimed by some that Herschel gave accurate descriptions of the Upsilon ring's size relative to Uranus, its changes as Uranus travels around the sun, and its color. The definitive discovery of the Uranian rings was not made until March 10, 1977, using the Kuiper Airborne Observatory, and it was serendipitous. Scientists planned to use the occultion of the star SAO 1586A7 by Uranus to study the planet's atmosphere. However, when their observations were analyzed, they found that the star disappeared briefly from view five times before and after it was eclipsed by the planet. They deduced that the system of narrow rings was present. The five occultation events were then observed were denoted by the Greek letters Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, and Epsilon in their papers. These designations have been used as the ring's names since then. Later, they found four additional rings, one between the Beta and Gamma rings and three inside the Alpha rings. The former was named the Mu ring. The later were dubbed rings 4, 5, and 6, according to the numbering of the oculation events in one paper. Uranus's ring system was the second to be discovered in the solar system, after Saturn. The rings were directly imaged when the Voyager 2 spacecraft flew through the Uranian system in 1986. Two more faint rings were revealed, bringing the total to 11. The Hubble Space Telescope detected an additional pair of previously unseen rings in 2003 and 2005, bringing the total number known to 13. The discovery of these outer rings doubled the known radius of the ring system. Hubble also imagined two small satellites for the first time, one of which MAB shares its orbit with the outermost newly discovered ring. Before the, dis the arrival of Voyager 2, no measurements of the Uranian magnetosphere had been taken. 
so its nature remained a mystery. Before 1986, astronomers had expected the magnetic field of Uranus to be in line with the solar wind because it would then align with Uranus's poles that lie in the ecliptic. Voyager's observations revealed that Uranus's magnetic field is peculiar both because it does not originate from its geometric center and because it is tilted at 59 degrees from axis of rotation. In fact, the magnetic dipole is shifted from the Uranus's center towards the south rotational pole by as much as one-third of the planetary radius. This unusual geometry results in a highly asymmetric magnetosphere, where the magnetic field strength on the surface in the southern hemisphere can be as low as 0.1 Gauss, whereas in the northern hemisphere it can be high as 1.1 Gauss. The average field at the surface is 0.23 Gauss. In comparison, the magnetic field of the Earth is roughly as strong at either pole, and its magnetic equator is roughly parallel with its geographical equator. The dipole moment of Uranus is 50 times that of Earth. Neptune has a similarly displaced and tilted magnetic field suggesting that this may be a common feature of ice giants. One hypothesis is that, unlike the magnetic fields of the terrestrial and gas giants, which are generated within their cores, the ice giants' magnetic fields are generated by motion at relatively shallow depths. For instance, in the water-ammonia ocean, Another possible explanation for the magnetosphere alignment is that there are oceans of liquid diamond in Uranus's interior that would deter a magnetic field. Despite its curious alignment, in other respects, Uranian magnetosphere is like that those of other planets. It has a bow shock located about 23 Uranus's radii ahead of it and a magnetopause at 18 Uranian radii, a fully developed magneto tail and radiation belts. Overall, the structure of Uranus's magnetosphere is different from Jupiter's and more similar to Saturn's. Uranus's magneto tail trails behind it into space for millions of kilometers and is twisted by its sideways rotation into a long corkscrew. Uranus's magnetosphere contains charged particles, mainly protons and electrons, with a small amount of hydrogen ions. 
no heavier ions have been detected. Many of these particles probably derive from the hot atmospheric corona. The ion and electron energies can be as high as 4 and 1.2 mega electron volts, respectively. The density of low energy ions in the inner magnetosphere is about 2 centimeters to the negative third. The particle population is strongly affected by the Uranian moons, which sweep through the magnetosphere, leaving noticeable gaps. The particle flux is high enough to cause darkening or space weathering of their surfaces on an astronomically rapid time scale of 100,000 years. This may be the cause of the uniformly dark coloration of the Uranian satellite and rings. Uranus has relatively well-developed aurora, which are seen as bright arcs around both magnetic poles. Unlike Jupiter, Uranus's aurora seem to be insignificant for the energy balance of the planetary thermosphere. Climate An ultraviolet and visible wavelengths, Uranus's atmosphere is remarkably bland in comparison to other giant planets, even to Neptune, which is otherwise closely resembles. When Voyager 2 flew by Uranus in 1986, it observed a total of 10 cloud features across the entire planet. One proposed explanation for this dearth of features is that Uranus's internal heat appears markedly lower than that of the other giant planets. The lowest temperature recorded in Uranus's troposphere is 49 degrees Kelvin, making Uranus the coldest planet in the solar system, colder even than Neptune. In 1986, Voyager 2 found that the visible southern hemisphere of Uranus can be subdivided into two regions, a bright polar cap and a dark equatorial bands. Their boundary is located about minus 45 degrees of latitude, a narrow band straddling the latitudinal range from about minus 45 to minus 50 degrees is the brightest large feature on its visible surface. It is called the southern collar. The cap and collar are thought to be dense region of methane clouds located within the pressure range of 1.3 to 2 bars. Besides the large-scale banded structure, Voyager 2 observed 10 small bright clouds, most lying several degrees to the north from the collar. In all other respects, Uranus looked like a dynamically dead planet in 1986. Unfortunately, Voyager 2 arrived during the height of Uranus's southern summer and could not observe the northern hemisphere. At the beginning of the 21st century, 
when the northern polar region came into view, the Hubble Space Telescope and Keck Telescope initially observed neither a collar nor a polar cap in the northern hemisphere. So, Uranus appeared asymmetric, bright near the South Pole, and uniformly dark in the region north of the southern collar. In 2007, when Uranus passed its equinox, the southern collar almost disappeared, whereas a faint northern collar emerged near plus 45 degrees of latitude. In the 1990s, a number of observed bright cloud features grew considerably, partly because new high-resolution imaging techniques became available. Most were found in the Northern Hemisphere as it started to become visible. An early explanation that bright clouds are easier to identify in its dark part, whereas the Southern Hemisphere the bright collar masks them, was shown to be incorrect. The actual number of features has indeed increased considerably. Nevertheless, there are differences between the clouds of each hemisphere. The northern clouds are smaller, sharper, and brighter. They appear to lie at a higher altitude. The lifetime of clouds spans several orders of magnitude. Some small clouds live only for hours, where at least one southern cloud may have persisted since the Voyager flyby. Recent observations also discovered that cloud features on Uranus have a lot in common with those on Neptune. For example, the dark spots common on Neptune had never been observed on Uranus before 2006 when the first such feature dubbed Uranus's dark spot was imaged. The speculation is that Uranus is becoming more Neptune-like during its equa-octical season. The tracking of numerous clouds features allowed determination of sonal winds blowing in the upper troposphere of Uranus. At the equator, winds are retrograde, which means they blow in the reverse direction uh, to the planetary rotation. Their speeds are from minus 100 to minus 50 meters per second. Wind speeds increase with the distance from the equator, reaching zero values near plus or minus 20 degrees latitude where the troposphere temperature minimum is located. Closer to the poles, the winds shift to a prograde direction, flowing with Uranus's rotation. Wind speeds continue to increase, reaching a maximum of at plus or minus 60 degrees latitude before falling to zero at the poles. 
Wind speeds at minus 40 degrees latitude range from 150 to 200 meters per second. Because the collar obscures all clouds below that parallel, speeds between it and the southern pole are impossible to measure. In contrast, in the northern hemisphere, maximum speeds as high as 240 meters per second are observed near plus 50 degrees latitude. For a short period from March to May 2004, a large number of clouds appear in the Uranian atmosphere, giving it a Neptune-like appearance. Observations included record-breaking wind speeds of 229 meters per second, or 824 kilometers per hour, and a persistent thunderstorm referred to as Fourth of July fireworks. On August 23, 2006, researchers at the Space Science Institute in Boulder, Colorado, and the University of Wisconsin observed a dark spot on Uranus's surface, giving astronomers more insight into Uranus's atmospheric activity. Why this sudden upsurge in activity should be occurring is not fully known, but it appears that Uranus's extreme axial tilt results in extreme seasonal variation in its weather. Determining the nature of this seasonal variation, it is very difficult because good data on Uranus's atmosphere have existed for less than 84 years or one full Uranian year. A number of discoveries have been made, though. Photometry over the course of half a Uranian year, beginning in the late 1950s, has shown regular variation in the brightness in two spectral bands, with a maxima occurring at the solstice and a minima occurring at the equinoxes. A similar periodic variation with maxima at the solstices has also been noted in microwave measurements of the deep troposphere begun in the 1960s. Stratospheric temperature measurements beginning in the 1970s also show maximum value near the 1986 solstice. The majority of this variability is believed to be occurring owing to changes in the viewing geometry. There are some reasons to believe that physical seasonal changes are happening in Uranus. Although Uranus is known to have a bright southern polar region, the North Pole is fairly dim, which is incompatible with the model of the seasonal change. During its previous northern solstice in 1944, Uranus displayed elevated levels of brightness, which suggests that the northern pole was not always so dim. This information implies that the visible pole brightens sometime before the solstice 
and darkens after the equinox. Detailed analysis of the visible and microwave data reveal that the periodical change of brightness are not completely symmetrical around the solstice, which also indicate change in the meridional albedo patterns. Finally, in the 1990s, as Uranus moved away from its solstice, Hubble and ground-based telescopes revealed that the south polar cap darkened noticeably, except the southern collar, which remained bright, whereas the northern hemisphere demonstrated increasing activity, such as cloud formation and stronger winds, bolstering expectations that it should brighten too. This indeed happened in 2007, when it passed an equinox, a faint northern polar collar arose, whereas the southern collar became nearly invisible, although the zonal wind profile remained slightly asymmetric, with northern winds being somewhat slower than southern. The mechanisms of physical change is still not clear. Near the summer and winter solstices, Uranus's hemispheres lie alternately either in full glare of the sun's rays or facing deep space. The brightening of the sunlit hemisphere is thought to result from the local thickening of the methane clouds and haze layers located in the troposphere. The bright collar at minus 45 degrees latitude is also connected with methane clouds. Other changes in the southern polar region can be explained by changes in the lower cloud levels. The variation of the microwave emission from Uranus is probably caused by changes in the deep tropospheric circulation, because thick polar clouds and haze may inhibit convection. Now that the spring and autumn equinoxes are arriving on Uranus, the dynamics are changing and convection can occur again. Many argue that the difference between the ice giants and the gas giants extend to their formation. The solar system is believed to have formed from a giant rotating ball of gas and dust known as the pre-solar nebula. Much of nebula's gas, primarily hydrogen and helium, formed the sun, whereas the dust grains collected together to form the first protoplanets. As the planets grew, some of them eventually accreted enough matter for their gravity to hold onto the nebula's leftover gas. The more gas they held onto, the larger they became. The larger they became, the more gas they held onto until a critical point was reached, and their size began to increase exponentially. The ice giants, with only a few Earth masses of nebular gas, never reached that critical point. Recent simulations of planetary migrations have suggested that both ice giants formed closer to the Sun than their present positions and moved outwards after their formation. Amazing. 
Uranus, the seventh planet of the solar system, has 27 known moons, all of which are named after characters from the works of William Shakespeare and Alexander Pope. William Herschel discovered the first two moons, Titian and Oberon, in 1787. And the other three ellipsoidal moons were discovered in 1851 by William Lassell, and they are named Ariel and Umbriel, and in 1948 by Gerard Kuiper, which he named Miranda. These five have planetary mass and so would be considered dwarf planets if they were in direct orbit about the Sun. The remaining moons were discovered after 1985, either during the Voyager 2 flyby missions or with the aid of advanced Earth-based telescopes. Uranian moons are divided into three groups. 13 inner moons, 5 major moons, and 9 irregular moons. The inner moons are small dark bodies that share common properties and origins with the planet's rings. The 5 major moons are massive enough to have achieved hydrostatic equilibrium, and 4 of them show signs of eternally driven processes such as canyon formation and volcanism on their surfaces. The largest of these, Titania, is 1,578 kilometers in diameter and the eighth largest moon in the solar system and about 20 times less massive than our moon. Uranus's irregular moons have elliptical and strongly inclined, mostly retrograde, orbits at great distances from the planet. The first two moons to be discovered were Titania and Orberon which were spotted by Sir William Herschel on January 11, 1787. Amazingly, only six years after he discovered the planet himself. Later, Herschel thought that he discovered up to six moons, and perhaps even a ring. For nearly 50 years, Herschel's instrument was the only one with which the moons had been seen. In the 1840s, better instruments in a more favorable position of Uranus in the sky led to sporadic indications of moons additional to Titania and Aberon. Eventually, the next two moons, Ariel and Umbriel, were discovered by William Lassell in the year 1851. The Roman numbering scheme of Uranus's moon was in a state of flux for a considerable time, and publications hesitated between Herschel's designation, where Titania and Oberon are Uranus 2 and 4, and William Lassell's, where they are sometimes 1 and 2. In 
With the confirmation of Ariel Umbriel, Lassell numbered the moons 1 through 4 from Uranus outward, and this finally stuck. In 1852, Herschel's son, John Herschel, gave the four then-known moons their names. No other discoveries were made for almost another century. In 1948, Gerard Kuiper at the McDonald's Observatory discovered the smallest and the last of the five large spherical moons, Miranda. Decades later, the flyby of Voyager 2 space probe in January 1986 led to the discovery of ten further inner moons. Another satellite, Perdita, was retroactively discovered in 1999 after studying old Voyager photographs. Uranus was the last giant planet without any known irregular moons, but since 1997, nine distant irregular moons have been identified using ground-based telescopes. Two more small inner moons Cupid and Mob were discovered using Hubble Space Telescope in 2003. The moon Margaret was the last Uranian moon discovered as of 2012. After Herschel discovered Titania and Oberon on January 11, 1787, he subsequently believed that he observed four other moons, two on January 18th and, and February 9th, 1790, and two more on February 28th and March 26th, 1794. It was thus believed for many decades thereafter that Uranus had a system of six satellites, though the four latter moons were never confirmed by any other astronomers. Lassell's observations of 1851, in which he discovered Ariel and Umbral, however, failed to support Herschel's observations. Ariel and Umbral, which Herschel certainly ought to have seen if he had not seen any satellites beside Titania and Oberon, did not correspond to any of Herschel's four additional satellites in orbital characteristics. Herschel's four spurious satellites were thought to have been sidereal periods of 5.89 days, which would have been interior Titania of 10.96 days between Titania and Oberon, 38.08 days, and 107.69 days exterior to Oberon. It was therefore concluded that Herschel's four satellites were spurious, probably arising from the misidentification of faint stars in the vicinity of Uranus as satellites and the discovery for the and the credit for the discovery of Ariel and Umbriel was given to Lassell. Now we have to name the moons. 
How do you do that? The first two Uranian moons discovered in 1787 did not receive names until 1852, a year after two more moons had been discovered. The responsibility for naming was taken by John Herschel, son of the discoverer of Uranus. Herschel, instead of assigning names from Greek mythology, named the moons after magical spirits in English literature. The fairies Oberon and Titania from William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, and the sliffs Ariel and Umbriel from Alexander's Pope, The Rape of the Lock. Ariel is also a sprite in Shakespeare's The Tempest. The reasoning was, presumably, that Uranus, as god of the sky and air, would be attended by spirits of the air. Subsequent names, rather than continuing the airy spirits theme, only Puck and Mob continued the trend, have focused on Herschel's source material. In 1949, the fifth moon, Miranda, was named by its discoverer, Gerard Kuiper, after a thoroughly mortal mortal character in Shakespeare's The Tempest. The current International Astronomical Union practice is to name the moons after characters from Shakespeare's plays and The Rape of the Lock, although at present only Ariel, Umbriel, and Belinda have names drawn from the latter, all the rest are from Shakespeare. The first, the outermost moons, were all named after characters from one play, The Tempest. But, with Margaret being named from Much Ado About Nothing, that trend has ended. The Uranian satellite system is the least massive among those of the gas giants. The combined mass of the five major satellites would be less than half that of Triton, the seventh largest moon in the solar system, alone. The largest of the satellites, Titania, has a radius of 789 kilometers, or less than half that of our moon, but slightly more than that of Rhea, the second largest moon of Saturn, making Titania the eighth largest moon in the solar system. Uranus is about 10,000 times more massive than its moons. As of 2008, Uranus is known to possess 13 inner moons. Their orbits inside lie inside that of Miranda. All inner moons are intimately connected to the rings of Uranus, which probably resulted from the fragmentation of one or several smaller inner moons. The two innermost moons, Cordelia and Ophelia, serve as shepherds of Uranus's rings, whereas the small moon Moab is the source of Uranus's outermost ring. Puck, at 162 kilometers, is the largest of the inner moons of Uranus and the only one imaged by Voyager 2 in any detail. Puck and Mob are the two outermost inner satellites of Uranus. All inner moons are dark objects 
Their geometrical albedo does not exceed 10%. They are made of water ice contaminated with dark material, probably radiation processed organics. The small inner moons constantly perturb each other. The system is chaotic and apparently unstable. Simulation shows that the inner that the moons may perturb each other into crossing orbits, which may eventually result in collisions between the moons. To give you an idea of what might occur in the future, the moon Desmona may collide with either Cresseta or Juliet within the next 100 million years. So be sure to watch for that. Uranus has five major moons, Miranda, Ariel, Umbriel, Titania, and Oberon. They range in diameter from 470 kilometers for Miranda to 1,578 kilometers for Titania. Each of these moons are relatively dark objects. Their geometrical albedo varies in range from 30 to 50%, while their bond albedo is within range of 10 to 23%. Umbriel is the darkest moon, and Ariel is the brightest. The least massive moon is Miranda. The most massive is Titania. For comparison, the major moons of Uranus are believed to have formed in the accretion disk, which existed around Uranus for some time after its formation, or resulted from a large impact suffered by Uranus early in its history. All major moons comprise approximately equal amounts of rock and ice, except Miranda, which is made primarily of ice. The ice component may include ammonia and carbon dioxide. Their surfaces are heavily cratered, though all of them, except Umbriel, show signs of endogenic resurfacing in the forms of liniments or canyons, and in the case of Miranda, Ovid racetrack-like structures called corona. Extensional, extensional processes associated with upwelling diaspheres are likely responsible for the origin of the corona. Ariel appears to have the youngest surface and the fewest impact craters, while Umbriel appears the oldest. In 1986, NASA Voyager 2 interplanetary probe encountered Uranus. This flyby remains the only investigation of Uranus carried out from a short distance, and no other visits are planned. Launched in 1977, Voyager 2 made its closest approach to Uranus on January 24, 1986, coming within 81,500 kilometers of the cloud tops before continuing its journey to Neptune. Voyager 2 studied the structure and chemical composition of Uranus's atmosphere, including its unique weather, caused by its axial tilt of 97.77 degrees 
It made the first detailed investigation of its five largest moons and discovered ten new moons. It examined all nine of the system's known rings and discovered two new ones. It also studied the magnetic field, its irregular structure, its tilt and unique corkscrew magneto's tail caused by Uranus's sideway orientation. The possibility of sending the Cassini spacecraft to Uranus was evaluated during a mission extension planning phase in 2009. It would have taken about 20 years to get to the Uranian system after departing Saturn. A Uranus orbiter and probe were recommended by the 2013-2022 Planetary Science Decadal Survey published in 2011. The proposal envisions launched during 2020 and a 13-year cruise to Uranus. The Uranus entry probe could use a Pioneer Venus multiprobe heritage and descend to the atmospheres. Such a mission is aided by the ease with which relatively big mass can be sent to a system. The chemical element, as a side note here, the chemical element uranium, discovered in 1789 by German chemist Martin Heinrich Klaproth, was named after the newly discovered planet Uranus. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. You are now goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.